0: Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Not Another Sales Podcast. In the episode today, I'm joined by founder of Jay Barrow's Sales Training and sales trainer to the world's fastest growing companies, John Barrows. John and I are going to be talking all about the evolution of selling. We're going to be discussing why there is a need to evolve how we sell, what exactly it is around the knowledge, skills, and habits that we need to evolve, the biggest challenges that we're going to face along the way or are facing currently, and most importantly, how we can evolve how we sell. So sit back, grab a pen and pad, and enjoy.
1: John, hello, how are you? I'm doing fantastic, Chris, how are you?
0: Yeah, really well, thanks. Thanks for joining me on another episode of Not Another Sales Podcast.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me.
0: You're very welcome. So for the listeners who aren't too familiar of who John is, he's the founder of Jay Barrow Sales Training, and a sales trainer to some of the world's fastest growing companies. How else would you describe yourself, John, to people who aren't aware of of what you do or or why you do it as well?
1: (laughs) That's a good question. I mean, I'm a sales rep, so I know, you know, I, I do train. <clears throat> but my passion sales, and I just uh, happen to be okay, kind of sharing uh, stuff with people. So I never really positioned myself to be a sales trainer when I when I was getting into this industry. I ultimately did not want to be one because up until you know I got into this career, I'd really never cro- come across any sales trainers I'd liked because they were either all failed sales professionals or professional <laughs> presenters. Yeah. And, um, you know, everybody knows, you know, somebody who's never done it before specifically sales, I think is one of those professions where you can sniff out somebody pretty quickly if they've never done it. And so I never wanted to really be a part of that. But then when I joined the company, uh, previously that I was working with, you had to, you had to use, even as trainers, we had to use the techniques to sell so we could train. So we had to kind of practice what we preached and um And I just got hooked on it and and i I found this training that really worked for me, and it was rare that I had come across training that really really showed a actual difference and um, I just feel it's a, it's incumbent upon us as sales professionals since it is a a very uneducated profession in the sense that there's very few universities that that teach sales at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, that I think it's on us as a as a profession to help elevate each other. So when you come across content and techniques that work, I just think you should share them. And so that's what I'm doing these days. I'm trying to do my best to to help people, sale, sales reps do sales right. Because I fundamentally yeah. believe that when sales is done right, it's the greatest profession in the world. When done wrong, it's the worst.
0: Mm, amen to that. But I'd love to delve into a bit more later on around your philosophy to training and what works for you. Yeah. But first of all, topic that we're going to be discussing today is all around this evolution of selling. And you know, when we were talking before around you know what's the main focus, what are the, the hot topics at the moment? I think this came up in a number of different ways. But first of all, why do you think there is a need to evolve how we sell these days versus even ten years ago, twenty years ago, or thirty years
1: ago? Uh, shoot, I mean, even five years ago. <laughs> I yeah. mean, two or three years ago. I, I think just now well let me preface this with i don't think the fundamentals of sales have ever changed in in the oh. sense of you know how to communicate with people and you know how people buy those type of things are, you know some of the fundamentals like so you got to work hard you got to believe in your product and you got to understand and qualify those things don't change much but with with the advent of technology now and what artificial intelligence is doing and all these technicals and all these tools sales reps are are now stuck in this place where we're still doing a lot of the things that technology is taking over and we're not yeah. adding a lot of value and you know the question I think we all have to ask ourselves today is you know what can we do that a computer can't, and that question is getting a lot harder to answer. Um, mm. I'll go back probably 20 years ago. Uh, obviously, there was a huge shift, and you know I used the internet as the pre and post internet. You know, For instance, I, th- I think before the internet, it was, it was absolutely our job as sales professionals to educate on features and functions and, and speeds and feeds because that was really the only way that the client could gain access to that information. But mm-hmm. post-internet, you know, it's a Google search away. So I, it's no longer our job to, to educate on features functions. I genuinely think it's our job today to get people to think and think about doing things differently, because if you are comfortable with where you are right now, I don't care what job you're in, I don't care what industry you're in, I don't care what role you have. If you're not paying attention, there is a strong possibility that some technology is going to come out and make you irrelevant or so significantly disrupt your industry that you're going to be in trouble. So you know, and I use the easy examples like you know Uber. I, mean, I think the taxi industry had any idea that Uber was around the corner? Right? They had no clue, and now they're trying to play catch up. And at least here in the states, they're not catching up. You know what I mean? Like they're 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 a dinosaur, get, waiting to get replaced. Uh, Airbnb. You know, you think the hotel industry had any idea that Airbnb was around the corner? You know, and those are just apps, by the way. Those are barely companies for crying out loud. And so, with technology, technology used to displace jobs, but it would also create jobs. I think we're in a spot right now where technology is just going to start replacing jobs. So for those sales reps that are just pressing, you know, click, press and play on, uh, you know, sending out blast emails, making generic cold calls, um, press and play on demos, all that stuff, all that stuff's getting replaced. And, and the way I think we need to look at this is, is context content. And you and I talked about this where you know, and I saw this from Gary Vaynerchuk, but you know, he had said in the past, you know, everybody talks about content is king. Content is king. He said, fine. If content is king, then context is God. And that to me is sales versus marketing, right? Marketing is content. Sales is context. If we as sales professionals are not putting any context around, we're no different than marketing. And I have no idea why we're getting paid to do what we do. So to your question of why should we evolve? Well, if we don't, we're going to get replaced and very mm-hmm. quickly, a lot faster than we used to 20 years ago, right? Yeah,
0: absolutely. And, you, you know, you've mentioned it there a few times. I think technology is one of the key reasons why we need to evolve and also embrace embrace evolution at the same time, because as you mentioned, the information that is now available to customers that wasn't available like you say even five years ago mm-hmm. is you know you can sometimes speak to customers that could actually know just as much as you do or if not more <laughs> so you know sometimes that's when when you're faced with that occasion and you know we're we'll going to shortly what you need to actually be able to do to adapt to that but yeah. that's why it's so important you need to be able to evolve to to work around their world and, and also be able to differentiate yourself that's another reason mm-hmm. to evolve because if you just stick to what you're doing at the moment you're just going to sound like, you know, maybe 60% of the market that is staying where they are. how do you you evolve and, and sort of stand out at the same time? Same
1: time, really. I think you're actually being generous with that 60%. (laughs) I I think it's more like 80% of the, of the population that's just doing the same thing. Cause I could, I could tell still we're, we're sales professionals. We're still going through the motions with clients. You know, I'll give you a perfect example of this, you know, I used to when I was, you know, 20 years back when I was selling originally, you know, I used to go into somebody's, uh, you know, qualification call or whatever. And I would, I would say, tell me about your business. And even back then, I thought, you know, looking back on it, I think that's insulting because the internet was around, web pages were up, you know, marketing material was out there. So for me, the most, you know, obviously the most valuable asset for anybody is time. And so if you're going to ask for my time and then the first thing you're going to say is tell me about your business, I think that's actually quite insulting because mm-hmm. you should have done your homework and you should know about my business before we walk in here, at least some of the basics, right? But the funny thing is, is I know we haven't evolved. Because we've conditioned prospects, because even to this day, sometimes I get on qualification calls and a client before I even get started, they'll literally say, well, you know what, John, let me give you a little background on us. And they'll start going into their spiel. And I I, I actually almost feel rude in some cases at this point because I, I interrupt them. And I'm like, Oh, look, I'm, I apologize. I can I, can I stop you right there for a second? Um, I just want to let you know, I, I did my research before the call. I was on your website. I know what you sell. I know who you sell to, you know, I know some of the things about your industry as well. So I do have some qualifying questions about your business that I'd love to get your insight on, but you don't really need to tell me when you were founded and what you do, because I, we can skip that step. And you can almost feel them like, Oh, Oh, wow. Wait, we can actually have a real conversation here. Yeah. Mm. Because I've actually, you know, like what I try to get people to do in the beginning of a call call, for instance, I, I literally want them to say, wow, you've done your homework. Yeah. Because that immediately shifts the conversation and you could tell they're like, oh, thank you. We're not, I'm not going through some boring ass call call where they're going to ask me my bant questions and then throw up all over me for the next 15 <laughs> minutes about how wonderful their product is.
0: Yeah. You know, you mentioned it around uh, just before what Gary Vaynerchuk talked around around context. By doing that, you're putting some context around the conversation. because mm-hmm. If you don't do that, they could just spill for like five or 10 minutes and just say anything. But like having those questions or having that knowledge up front and then those questions based around that knowledge, it gives some direction and some real structure, which means you're more efficient with your time. And they feel like they're not wasting their
1: time as well. Absolutely. I mean, I used to have face-to-face meetings for hour long. And here's another evolution, right? I mean, face to face meetings out, so you develop rapport and relationships, be in front of the client. But those meetings, if you really look at those face to face meetings, especially the initial ones, the qualification ones, like they don't need to be an hour. I mean, unless you have the most complicated product on the planet. You know, hmm. so now all my calls are less than a half an hour, and usually they're done in 20 minutes because of the prep I've done beforehand. And then we can speak about the very specific components of my solution that align with what they're trying to accomplish. You know, I, I wrote a blog post a little while ago called Sell to the 20% which is my fundamental belief here that that if you pick any product or service that you own right any of us i almost guarantee you only use about 10 to 20 percent of the functionality whatever the product or service is right mm-hmm. because, i mean if you think of giving you know, easy example like the iphone Like the iPhone has more power in it than we use to send somebody to the moon for crying out loud, but yet most people check their emails, tweet, you know, Snapchat, whatever. So, so because most people only use 10 to 20% of the functionality of whatever the product or service is, that's how I believe people buy. They really only buy the 10 to 20% of the solution that you have that aligns with what their priorities and what they're trying to accomplish. And so my goal is in a qualification call is to understand what that 20% is. So I can, so I can speak to that. Right mm-hmm. And that's the evolution, right? Whereas before it was no, I need to show you the entire solution set here because I need to, you to see it all because you don't really know what you don't know yet, right? Where now it's they know the majority of it. Let me show you why my solution is actually different than all the other ones that you've talked about there and and because not only is it different, but it aligns with what you told me you need right now, right? Mm-hmm. And I can get to that a lot faster if I can skip the tell me about your business crap.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you've mentioned a couple of things there around what people need to evolve. But are there any other, in terms of knowledge or skills or habits, that you feel people need to focus on when they're selling to, to evolve with this
1: world? Yeah, I mean, I think business acumen is a big one. Um, I think uh, if there's there's two things, like somebody asked me recently, John, you know, now that you're 42, um, if you could go back and tell your 22-year-old self something, what would it be, right? And there was two things I, I I come up with. One of them is split testing, right? So A B split test, and, and I mean this across the board. So like A B split test everything you do. If you're going after CIOs in the healthcare industry, come up with two different messages to CIOs in the healthcare industry. Make 20 phone calls with this approach. Make 20 phone calls with that approach. See which one yields a higher response rate. Right? Uh, objection. If you're constantly being hit with the pricing, you're too expensive objection. Come up with two different ways of handling that objection, and then you know, next 10 times it comes up to, you know, do it this way, next ten that way. Right. Again, split testing. So we can start to figure out things a lot faster, but, but to the evolution piece of your question, which is the other part is if I could go back and tell my 22 year old self something, it would be to take your business acumen way more proactively than you did. Because my business acumen was an outcome of my activity in the sense that I would just go, 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 go. And I would do things and I would learn almost through osmosis, right? So for instance, I'd walk into a CEO's office and uh, I'd start talking to him and I'd ask a stupid question. And the CEO would say, that's a stupid question. And then I would, okay, I'm not going to ask that again, right? Um, and so I would learn, but you know, I, looking back on it, if I started to understand who my audience was and then started to immerse myself in information that they were interested in to learn about their world. So for instance, if I sell to the financial services industry and I sell to CFOs in the financial services industry, well, I should go start reading some blog posts about what CFOs in the financial industry care about, what their challenges are. I should know, I should go into Feedly or anything and really follow the financial times and and some of the things that are happening there so that when I have these conversations with people, I can level up. And, and not just dive right into my band questions and my qualification call, but I can actually add value to the conversation, right? Cause value these days, like people talk about, I don't know, you know, challenger sale and all this other stuff. Yeah. And I'm a big believer in challenger sale, but the thing with challenger sale is, You know, challenging somebody is, is, is a, you have to have business acumen. You have to have experience to genuinely challenge people, but you Mm -hmm. can add value, right? The challenger sale talks about how, you know, I think a lot of people misconstrue the challenger sale. They say the relationship sale is over. It's not over. It's just changed, right? Right the relationship sale used to be me taking you out to golf, taking you out to dinner and that type of thing. And it almost didn't matter what I was selling you. As long as I buttered you up enough, you were buying my stuff. Right. Um, Whereas now it's not about taking you out to dinner. It's not about golf. It's about adding value. Right. So if you're bringing value to the table and you're getting them to think, and you're getting them to, to be like, Ooh, wait a minute. You know, that type of thing. That's the relationship I'm looking for. I'm not looking like I don't need somebody to take me out to golf. I, I don't like taking four hours out of my day at this point, I'd so much rather be home with my wife and daughter. You know what I mean? I don't I don't need a sales, some random ass sales yeah. rep to take me out to dinner. I'd, I'd rather have dinner with my family, right? So, but if a sales rep can add value by helping me do something a little bit more effective or getting me to think about something without me having to buy their stuff, for instance. <laughs> I mean, somebody said this to me early in my career, which I really appreciate and I still hold true, which is they said every time they have a conversation with somebody, right? With a prospect or somebody, they want to be able to, at the end of that conversation, ask that prospect, Hey, would you have paid for this? And want the, and they want the answer to be, yeah, like not, you would have paid a million dollars or anything, but d- effectively, did you get enough value out of this conversation that you you would have paid a few dollars for it, if nothing else. And that's the that's the mindset I have, is that every single conversation, even if I don't get their business or if it's not the right fit, I want somebody to walk away going, that was worth my time.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I think on that point as well, it's, it's going back to that, like you say, even if you don't get their business, it, it might not be don't get their business there and then, but it might be that they weren't ready or that a month's time or three months or six months, they come back around because... Yeah. You're memorable, and you've given them something, some food for thought. Sometimes that I, they
1: might need to just fester on for a bit. I can't tell you. I mean, I I have twelve personal guidelines to success, and one of them is what goes around comes around. Period. I, I yeah. cannot tell you how many times that I've kind of walked into a situation, and I probably could have sold them on something. But it just wasn't really the right fit, even though I could have done it and probably caught my commission check. I gave them a reference to somebody else or I gave them something that they could do internally without even using me, that type of thing. I can't tell you how many times that has come back to me where I've said, you know, even years later, literally like 10 years later. Hey, John, I remember I was in this role and you helped me out here. And I mean, a perfect example is that is is an opportunity for me to uh, uh, I worked for. So you're familiar with Jack Welsh or G.E. Jack Welsh. So I got to work for Jack Welsh for 2 months to help him get his online MBA program off the ground. So directly for Jack and Susie Welsh, which was like an opportunity of a lifetime because he's one of my business idols. And the way I got that opportunity was 7 years prior, uh, a friend of mine was interviewing uh, sales reps and he wanted me to interview this sales rep because he's like, John, could you just give me your perspective on this sales rep? I'm thinking of bringing him on board. So I was like, yeah, sure. Um, so I got on the phone with the kid. I told him about the industry, about what he was getting into, because I was familiar with the industry. And um, you know, and I asked him some questions, of what he was looking for, and I gave him some guidance. I was like, hey, you're early in your career. This is how you should really think about it. Whatever, right? He didn't end up taking the job. I don't think he was a really good fit for the role. But seven years later, I get this email. Hey John, I have an opportunity. And it was funny because I, I thought it was a joke. He uh it was an in mail and he said, Hey John, I have an opportunity. I didn't remember who this kid was, so I thought it was just some random recruiter. And he's like, I have an opportunity for you to work for one of the leading CEOs in the world, and I'd like to talk to you about it. And I I literally I didn't even respond. I was like, Yeah, whatever. He then hits me up with another in mail. Hey, John, it's Jack Welsh. And I'm like, huh? Wow. I'm like, okay, you have you have my attention here. I'm like, yeah. I, this, I'm I'm still guessing this is a spam, you know, scam here. But Jack Wells, you dropped a name that, I okay, what? So I get on the phone with him and he explains to me the opportunity. And I'm like, okay, this sounds too good to be true. Uh, and why in the world did you know, did you pick me? You know what I mean? Like, the, <laughs> and he goes, well, John, seven years, I don't know if you remember me, but seven years ago. You, you know, really gave me some incredible guidance in my career that that really helped me take it to the next level. And when this opportunity, you know, I'm now the recruiter for Jack Welsh Management Institute. And now that this opportunity's come up, he's like, you were the first person I thought of. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. And, you know, one thing led to another. And I'm sitting in front of the man, Jack Welsh, in an interview. Mm. And it was, you know, one of the coolest experiences of my life.
0: Great. Yeah, that's a that's a you know a proven example as you talked about there as to why um, you know, building those relationships and adding some value at the time is going to come back around in the future at some point and, and give you something yeah uh, yeah i think as well f- for me when i think about you know we've talked about business acumen and having insight i think it's also within this day and age as you mentioned around sometimes the customer knowing as much as you do about your product or services having the respect to know just as much about their world if if they're going to know about your world mm-hmm. and they're going to understand and they're going to approach you sometimes with a need thinking, actually, you know, I've done my research around your business is to show that you've also done the same and have that common respect for them because,
1: absolutely,
0: you know, how is that going to look if they know more about your world than you do about <laughs> theirs? And too often I think salespeople think, Oh, I just need to be an expert. Why do it? It's like, no, you need to immerse no. yourself in what your customers do and you need to be an extension of their business as well as your own. Really?
1: Yeah. No, I, I absolutely agree. I mean, I actually I actually don't think you have to be an expert in your in in what you do in, in the sense mm-hmm. that you don't, as a sales rep, okay. And again, let me couch this with if you are selling a very complex sale into a very technical audience, then maybe, right? But there's sales engineers for that. There's, you know, there, there's support for us in sales to handle the nuanced detail questions, right? I, it is our job to know enough about our solution, and know enough about the client, and to be able to make the connections, and then mm-hmm. get out of the way, mm-hmm. right? And quarterback the, the the smart kids to come in and and actually you know have those type of conversations, but guide those conversations. So I think I actually think the more you know about your solution, the the less effective you are in sales, because you 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 want to talk about all that stuff. Right, and, and you get end up getting stuck in the weeds about all the details and everything else, and you forget to sell.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. For me as well. For, for another thing, I think that that re- it's really important to be able to evolve and sell effectively is is empowering your customers more. Mm-hmm. I think, particularly with this day and age, with people having so many choices, and also so much access and stories of where it's gone wrong or where they've heard other people make bad decisions, it's sometimes they lack confidence. They lack that belief. And, you know, it's all very well giving them belief from yourself, but you need to instill that belief in themselves that they're going to make the right decision. And they're going to, you know, be confident with going with you, with working with you. So yeah. it's about providing them with insight, but then also empowering them as well to make that decision and make them feel like this, this isn't the wrong thing to do. Right. Yes, there's so much choice, but this is why it's the right fit.
1: Right. Absolutely. And that's why I think, you know, if there's one thing I would invest in from a marketing standpoint, it would be case studies. You know, case yeah. studies, case studies, case studies. And 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 try to have quantifiable results from case studies and based on different scenarios, right? So this client was in this situation, they invested here, and this was the result. That right there, you can turn into a story to help give that empower that client to feel much more comfortable that your solution for the right client is the right fit and it does drive results. And the goal is to figure out whether they're the right client or not based on that.
0: Mm. Yeah. And that all comes back around as to what you said at the start, having that acumen mm-hmm. and that insight to show them that you first of all, understand their world. And that's why, you know, it's going to be a good fit for them.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: You mentioned earlier on as well, you know, when we start talking about this, you've got people in certain industries in certain roles thinking, you know, I don't need to evolve. I'm fine. <laughs> You know, that's one of. As I think that is one of the biggest challenges for people why they're not evolving to sell because they think, oh, none of my competitors are doing it, or you know, my customers don't work that way. And it's like, well, they might not right now, but when they do, where would you rather be? Would you rather be ahead of the curve or chasing? <laughs> what yeah, other I challenges see. do you think um, there are to this evolution of selling, or what stops people evolving?
1: Um You know, <laughs> it's. It's interesting. I, I think work ethic is something that I'm seeing um, as a as a concern for me, because uh, people ask me all the time, You know, John, what's the secret to success, right? And whatever. you know, my answer to that is working your ass off, period. Um, I'm not the smartest kid out there. I went to a state school kid here in the states. You know, I drank my way through four years of college. You know, I'm not an idiot, but I'm, I'm not like a, you know, a Harvard 4.0 kid, but I'll outwork you. And I think what I'm a little nervous about right now with the, with the generations coming up, you know, I think millennials get a lot of crap for a lot of reasons. And, you know, some of it's justified, some of it isn't, but one of the things I'm very, very conscious of is <clears throat> the work ethic component to it as it relates to their craft and perfecting their craft. So I'm not saying the effort isn't there in general, but because when somebody gets passionate about something, they go, you know, they tend to do a lot of it, but it seems like less and less people are passionate about what they do for work. Right. And they want to mm-hmm. do the cooler funner stuff that they are actually passionate about. Right. So, you know, when I do trainings, for instance, I usually do eight 30 to four 30, right? Eight thirty in the morning to four 30 in the afternoon. And, uh, and then, you know, at around four 30, there's usually some reps have questions and around five o'clock, I, I kind of open up my laptop, I check my emails, and I usually then I'm getting back into an Uber and off to the next session in the airport or whatever. When I leave offices at five o'clock, it's a ghost town. It's literally a ghost town. And I'm sitting there like, how, how could you even pretend to be successful or want to be successful if you're not putting in the time and effort and energy? So I think the evolution. Is of 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 work ethic is something that is concerning me because everybody talks about this work life balance, and to me that is such a sad way of looking at things because work life balance. What you're saying to me by talking about this work life balance is that you work and then you live,
0: Mm.
1: and if you look at it, you know you you sleep around a third of your life, You, you you work around a third of your life. So what you're telling me with that mentality there is that you only really live a third of your life. To me, that's a sad state of affairs. If yeah. you are not passionate about what you do, if you don't love what you do, and again, I'll pick up on Gary. If you're like, you know, if you're dreaming for Friday, right? And, and you can't wait for the weekend because that's when you're going to have your fun, then you, you got to do something about that. You know what I mean? Like you got to go figure out something else to do. Or you got to go figure out internally what you need to do to be able to have the passion for your business or at least your own personal success. So I think evolution comes from work ethic. You know, you, people need to evolve their mentality as it relates to work at life balance. I think, they, I think people need to evolve and, and really actually forget about evolving, going back to some of the basics and like goal setting and those type of things. Like it's amazing to me how many people don't set goals for their careers and their lives, right? Because without goals, effectively, you're letting somebody else dictate the path right? With goals, you're driving towards something. Yeah. You know, if you ever read that book, think and grow rich, right. It's a bunch of examples of, of people who are super successful and there's one common theme of all of them. And they were all just absolutely fanatical about, about, uh, or maniacal about uh, setting goals and, and going for them. So, you know, I think with tech evolution, with technology evolution, with business acumen, um, evolution with approaches, and that's why I think split testing is definitely um a, a way to evolve because it helps you figure out what works and what doesn't work. And if you keep that mentality of split testing, you can plug in new approaches to see how they compare to the old ones. Yeah. Uh, so those are the ways I would uh I would look at us uh, involving or you know, needing to evolve without getting replaced.
0: Mm. I think on the topic of mindset as well, if you look at it at the other end of I suppose the the ages within selling is you quite often get, and this might be well, this could be of anybody of any age, but older generations who are in certain habits, is this complaining of, oh, this is not how we used to do it and <laughs> things are changing. And it's like, look, things are changing for the better, for the good. And even if they aren't necessarily the time, it's you need to adapt to it. Complaining mm-hmm. complaining about it, complaining about things you can't control <laughs> isn't going to get you anywhere. You need to adapt. You need to move a bit rather than just complain about it. I think that's a mindset where people just want to sit there with their buddies on the weekend or, yeah. you know, with the people in work sometimes who aren't performing just like them and sort of go, hey, uh, do you remember when it used to be like this? Yeah, this isn't working. And then in the right. corner, you've got the guys working on it just thinking, look, you know, I'm just going to adapt to it because that's life. Stuff's mm-hmm. going to get thrown at you. And you've got to adapt to it because no one cares really at the end of the day. <laughs> no it's, it's one happening. cares.
1: No yeah. one cares. Like, that's why everybody is like, John, how you doing? You know, I'm doing great. You know, because if I wasn't, nobody cares anyways. <laughs> and, uh, and what I do with my, you know, so with my daughter, I have a seven year old daughter and, you know, one of the things, um, about a couple of years ago, we came up with this because, you know, here in the States, we're obviously going through a rather challenging time with our leadership here to say the least. And, um, and it was really affecting me and my wife, like, as far as all the things that were going on, especially, you know, after the election and those type of things. And what I did and I could see it was actually impacting my daughter. Like you you could tell she was picking up on our anxiety and she was having anxiety. And so I said, you know what, we have to, we have to stop. And, and, you know, I shut off Facebook effectively, turned off the news, all this other stuff. And I said, we got to focus on what we can control. And we came up with the acronym, right? Which is eat effort, attitude, and how you treat people. Those are the three things you can control. So those are the three, the only three things you should, you should focus on. Everything else is outside of your control. So why worry about it? So now every morning when I wake up with my daughter, we say, all right, what can we control today? Sweetheart effort, attitude, and how we treat people, daddy. Great. Go.
0: Yeah. yeah i like that i'm gonna I'm gonna steal that one i
1: think <laughs> please do
0: <laughs> you know there's that old adage isn't there of you know it's ten percent uh sorry, life is ninety percent of things happening ten uh, percent of things happening to you and ninety percent of how you deal with it absolutely and it, and it's so true it's people what w- just getting caught up in the stuff that look it's happened, you can't change that, but what you can focus on is how you respond to it mm-hmm. how you adapt to it, and that's what you know, that makes the difference between the people who are successful and the people that aren't is that those things have still happened to them, but they've just evolved with it. They mm-hmm. haven't just sat there and complained about it.
1: Yeah, I mean that's yeah. the that's kind of the hard thing I have. So I have a Facebook group where a lot of reps ask questions, and you know, they give I give feedback and moderate it and stuff like that. And a lot of times, there's you know, at least a couple times a week, there's somebody on there being like, "Hey, what do you do when you know somebody else on your team is getting all the leads and you're not getting any of them?" You know, and my and and I hate to be a jackass about it, but I always say, suck it up and go figure out how to win without those leads. You'll be better off for you. You know, you know. But they're hitting their goals, and I'm not. Well, then, because what are you going to do? You're going to go to your boss and be like, "Man, I'm not getting the leads." Like, if a rep were to ever come to me and say that, I, I would immediately look at them as somebody I don't want on my team. Right. So, I mean, don't get me wrong. There's, there's things that you can come with uh, solutions to that as far as ideas, you know what I mean? To try to make it a little bit more equitable if it really isn't. But the last thing you want to do is complain about something or go out to lunch and bitch about something because you're not getting it because then you end up being the, you know, the, the, the piece of the puzzle internally that is actually causing the issues. And you never want to be that person. I mean, optimism, pessimism, you know, there's, it's, blatantly obvious that the people who are optimistic are the most successful people. And, and because they're the ones that people gravitate towards, you know, you are, you know, I guarantee there's, you know, a handful of people in your life where you look forward to seeing them because of how they make you feel. And it's in a positive way. You know what I mean? Just like being around them, you're like, Oh man, I just feel better about myself because this person is so positive with their approach to life and everything else that you almost seek them out to grab a drink, to grab a pint because you're like, you know what? I just want to be around you. Whereas negative people attract negativity, right? So sure, when I want to bitch and complain about something, I'll go find my friend who I bitch and complain to who always bitches and complains. That's not a position you want to be in. No. You don't want to be the person that everybody calls when they're mad.
0: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And sometimes people go to that place because it's comfortable and it's easy. And when you do feel like that, it is about challenging your mindset and, mm-hmm. re- and catching yourself, realizing you're in that spiral, accepting it, and then bringing yourself out of it rather than just sometimes people get into that mindset and think, this is gospel, this is happening, mm-hmm. it's a bad month, you know, you know, and they look for all those other people and all those people to go, yeah, me too, me too. And it's like, well, that's not getting you anywhere. That is, mm-hmm. that is, you know, it's it's either, you know, helping you or hindering you, and that is definitely hindering you.
1: Yeah. I mean, I'm not a big Tony Robbins practitioner or, you know, I, I, I respect him and I appreciate what he does and what people get out of him. But the the one thing that he does say that is that I, that I use is change your state. You know, and it's up to you. It's, 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 you have a choice of, of your mentality that day. You can choose to be miserable and complain, or you can choose to be positive and figure out a way out of it. And when I find myself getting in the negative state, I, I literally change my state. I'm like, you know what, I have to do something right now to clear my head. I got to refocus on things because this is not doing me any. That's why going back to, you know, when I was talking earlier about the election and that type of thing. That's why I I just shut off Facebook and I shut off the news because I was finding myself getting so upset and angry about things that I had no control over. And it was seriously impacting my mental state and therefore it translated to my family, translated to my work, translated to everything. And, and I made a conscious decision too. I'm not going to, I don't, I'm, I'm going to do what I can do. I'm going to try to bring positivity into the world as much as I possibly can. And where I can make a difference, I'll try to make a difference. But I, I just can't get sucked down into this vortex of, of negativity that's going on right now because it's not doing anybody any favors, specifically myself and my family.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, on to a bit more about you then, John. I know you mentioned at the start why, why you started. Doing what you're doing, but what would you say are some of the the key inspirations for you? Whether they're individuals or reasons or stories from your career or your life so far?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think um, why I do what I do now is I really, when it comes down to it, it's that making a difference that goes around, comes around thing, um, and you know, I, I traveled quite a bit, you know, I'm on the road, probably 130, 140 days a year away from my family. And, you know, I just got, for instance, I just got off the red eye this morning and, you know, had 12 meetings today and jumping on a podcast and have four meetings after this. And, you know, and I usually stay up till one o'clock in the morning, those type of things. And I wouldn't do that if I didn't love what I do. And I also wouldn't do it if I didn't believe that it made a difference or know that it made a difference because what, what really gets me, um, even when I'm in like, oh man, I'm working too hard or something like that, is the I'll get an email from a kid saying, you know what, John, I know you probably don't remember me, but five years ago I sat in one of your classes and you know, what you said there completely changed my perspective on on what I was doing. And I started to apply some of the things that you had taught me. And now five years later I'm a VP or five years later I'm a manager and that type of thing. And I really attributed to that, you know, to that training. So thank you. Right. Um, that one thank you from that kid is is worth a month of me being on the road, mm. right? Because because the way I look at it is if you can if you can make a positive impact on somebody el- else's life, that is the most rewarding thing that I think you could strive for, right? And obviously, I think that is re- relevant to you know families, obviously. Mm-hmm. But I think if you can go out and do something that has a, a, a meaningful impact on somebody else's life. Uh, you know, that's the best reward I think we can all hope for. So, you know, that's why I keep doing it. And I also genuinely believe that that sales is the greatest profession. Like I said earlier, sales is the greatest profession in the world when done right. But it's the worst when done wrong. And so many people have the perception of sales as this, you know, Glengarry Glenn Ross or, the, you know, that type of thing. And it's this negative perception because, and I go back to this, is this, this is the least educated profession in the, in the world. Right. This is the default profession. Everybody goes to school to be, you know, uh, in some sort of business school or marketing or accounting or finance or legal or whatever it is. And then they get out into the real world, they realize they don't want to do what they just, you know, spent four years doing, and they say, Hey, I'm pretty good with people. Let me get into sales. And mm-hmm. usually the entree into sales is, hey, here's a here's a territory, here's your quota. Good luck. Yeah. And with little guidance. And so what happens if you're being measured monthly? And, and you're going to get fired if you don't hit your numbers, you do some unnatural things. You do mm-hmm. some things that you probably wouldn't do if you, if you weren't being held to that. So that's why you do the shady stuff. That's why a lot of us, you know, have, have done things that really, you know, do not, uh, put us in a good light as far as the overall profession. So, but you know, what I'm encouraged about is, you know, back about, uh, four or five years ago here in the States, you could only get your degree in sales about 20 universities, right? There's four thousand. There's over 4,000 colleges in the United States of America. You can mm-hmm. get your degree here previously in about 20 of them. Now there's 70, give or take. Okay. and And so you're starting to see this trend where it's moving up, where it's starting to become a profession, and people are starting to really look at it as you know, not just a, you know, the the slick sales rep that comes in and says the cool thing to get the deal and, you know, as a closer, you know, but it is a legitimate profession that when done right makes a massive difference. And I, you know, I, I'm, I'm worried now with where we are going. I'm, I, I try to be an optimist uh, across the board, but I, you know i'm just I'm looking at the trends right now with the environment with all these different things, and i'm I am genuinely concerned for my daughter moving forward and, and what she's growing up into. But that said, from a career standpoint, you know we talked about technology about how it's replacing jobs and all that stuff, and it's just going to get worse. Well, sales is one of those careers where you know, look, if you go get if you go get educated or go to a university and you um, are educated in a certain field. And then you get into that field and you become an expert in that field. But then all of a sudden, technology, artificial intelligence turns and, and looks at you and says, and then disrupts your industry, it, like fundamentally disrupts your industry. Well, now you're kind of screwed. Now you have to go figure out another skill, right? You got to go educate yourself on something totally different because now that industry is irrelevant. Well, with sales, if, if technology comes into your industry and, and disrupts it, well, then you go to another industry and just sell there right? So it's the most portable profession out there. Second of all, it is also the most financially independent professional out there, uh, profession out there. Whereas, you know, there's really no limit to what you can make if you work, if you work at it and therefore Mm -hmm. that that goes for independence. And also it makes a difference. Like when sales, when you are really good at sales, you solve problems. And when you solve problems, it makes a difference for people and businesses, right? So those three factors there are why I'm trying to elevate the profession at an earlier stage so that it can give kids who are, you know, going through the system right now, as far as, you know, school system, an alternative to, 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 to to help them survive a lot better in the future, in my opinion. And that's why I'm Mm -hmm. personally writing. I'm currently in the process right now of, um, you know, everybody always asks me like, when am I going to write my book and all this stuff and, you know, I've always had a fundamental issue with writing a book because you know a lot of people in my industry have books and you know they're 90% crap and and 10%, you know, con decent content. But yet because they have a book, you know, they're up on stage, they're doing their keynotes and stuff like that. So I've just kind of always rolled my eyes at, at at the book thing, right? But I decided I'm finally going to write my book, but it's not gonna be a sales book on tips and those type of things, it's gonna be a book on uh, a children's book on, on sales and the title of it working title of it right now is I want to be in sales when I grow up because yeah. nobody, right. When the teacher asks like, Hey, what do you want to be when you grow up? Nobody said, you know, people say doctor, lawyer, whatever, astronaut, those the kids say that, but nobody ever says sales. Mm. And so I'm writing a book right now to kind of show the fundamentals of sales through a story, through a child's eyes, through, you know, second, third grader. And uh, my hope there is, is that, you know kids can you know start looking at sales in a different light earlier on and and want to be in this profession moving forward and do it the right way
0: yeah absolutely there's some great reasons there and for for me a lot of that resonates with me as to why i've you know I've been in sales for ten years i've I've sold I've managed I'm now coaching, and why I've started this podcast is as you mentioned to you know, reach out to strangers you you've never met or might never meet to be able to give them something of a listening to they you go. Know yeah, that's my style, he gets me, you know, Mm -hmm. I'm definitely going to try that. But also to get people to realize that selling isn't, everyone sells every day in some form or another. It's not this dirty word. It's getting people to be comfortable with it and realize that by being good at sales, you can learn so much more about yourself, the, the kind of skills that it gives you and the ability to be able to reflect and learn from what's gone on to what's coming. You know, in other roles, you're not always measured month to month. So you don't really have to reflect on, what's been and what's coming it's but in sales it's a constant evolution of Mm -hmm. as soon as you finish the last month you're then looking to the next month so it gives you all these all these skill sets that i think people you know even take for granted or aren't even aware of that that you can embrace and and particularly in this day and age with people with social media and with technology people going off to do their own thing and people encouraged to follow their passion is that Selling is fundamental in any business that you're going to set up alone. So that is why it's so important now more than ever, not just to evolve how we sell, but to embrace it in whatever you go into.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. I mean, everybody's in sales. It's funny. My sister, uh, she's out in California and she's nine years older than me. And she hates sales reps. Right. And, um, and I told her, and she's a, she's a social worker. She's, you know, Peace Corps. I love her to death. And I said, well, Nancy, I go, you do realize you're in sales, right? And she's like, no, I'm not gross. And I'm like, well, <laughs> and and she had just gotten a job, right? So she had just gotten a job. I said, okay, well, let me ask you, you just got a job, right? She said, yeah. I said, did they just hire you off your resume? And she was like, well, n- n- what do you mean? I was like, did you submit your resume? And they called you up and said, congratulations, you have a job. Or did you have to go interview for it? She's like, well, yeah, I had to interview for it. I said, I said great. Well, congratu- congratulations, you're in sales. And she was like, "What?" I was like, "Oh, and by the way, you're, you're actually pretty good at it because they hired you." <laughs> and she's like, "Er, right." So, I mean, I th- it's it's more to me a mentality than it is necessarily yeah. a profession, right? Definitely. I mean, yes, obviously there are people like me and a bunch of other people who their 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 career is sales; that is their title. Um, but if you just if you take the Glen Gary, Glen Ross, Wolf of Wall Street mentality out of it, it's it's again the most one of the most honorable professions in the world as well if mm-hmm. done right, um, yeah. because you're selling ideas, you're selling yourself, you're selling, you know, no matter what, to your point, if, and if I'm not like cold calling somebody, that doesn't mean I'm not necessarily in sales. If you're pitching a solution internally, so you work internally on the marketing side of the house and you want to get funding for that initiative. Well, you have to go pitch that that value to the to the executives to, to get funding for your initiative, right? You have to pitch ideas. You have to pitch concepts. You know, you have to pitch yourself. So it's all there if you look at it the right way.
0: Yeah, definitely. And you're utilizing some of, you know, the best traits about us being human is, you know, our empathy, our yeah. curiosity, our understanding, our, our way we are able to problem solve and articulate things to people and translate it into a meaning that, that sort of you know means something in their world, so mm-hmm. it's kind of thinking of all these things you know that we're all naturally good at is just using them, and that's how you sell. Not right. thinking I'm not good at sales is because you probably perception of sales is exactly completely different to where it should be.
1: Exactly.
0: Yeah. Well, John, it's been a real pleasure. Thank you so much for your time. You know, it's been um, an education for me hearing some of the points you talked about. That' going to going to take some of that and uh, share it with my audience as well.
1: I uh, appreciate having me on here, Chris.
0: Um, for anybody who wants to stay up to date, John, with you know what's going on in your world, mm-hmm. your content, where can they find you across different platforms?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think the easiest is just to go to the website, right? jbarrows.com, uh, J-B-A-R-R-O-W-S.com, because that's where you can find. I have a resource library there that has a ton of free content, video tips, templates, those type of things. Um, And you can hit me up on all the social feeds there as well. So I'm on Instagram, Twitter, Snapchat, all of them. The handle on those is John M as in Michael Barrows, all one word. Uh, So you can find me there. Um, And then we have a Facebook group as well. So if you go to Facebook slash Jay Barrows, we have a Facebook group and a a group on there called Make It Happen, where there's a lot of interaction where reps who join, Um, a lot of them have been through my training. So you know they're asking questions, they're giving feedback, and I moderate it. So... Um, you know, I'm just trying to share, like I said before, you know, share as much good content out there with people so that we can elevate this profession. Cause it's just, it, you know, we des- we deserve it when done, right. We deserve that this profession should be elevated. So when somebody says, what do you do? And, and, and you tell them that you're in sales, that they don't roll their eyes, yeah. right. That they say, cool, tell me more.
0: Mm-hmm. Amen to that. Absolutely. Well, John, as as I mentioned, it's been a real pleasure. Thank you so much for joining me on an episode.
1: Likewise, Chris. Thank you.
0: And for the listeners, thanks very much for tuning in. Stay tuned for another episode of Not Another Sales Podcast. Hey, people. Thanks for listening to another episode of Not Another Sales Podcast. If you want to stay up to date with the latest episodes and posts, you can find me on Instagram. Not Another Sales Guy, underscore in each of those words. You can also find the podcast on all major platforms by typing Not Another Sales Podcast. And also, if you want to connect to me on LinkedIn, I go by the name of Chris Hatfield. So thanks again and stay tuned for another episode.